What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of From A to B, where Tracy and I have no bullshit conversations about topics and experimentation in digital marketing. In today's episode, Tracy's the devil. That's it. That's the whole episode. But for real, we recorded a new segment called Devil's Advocate, where we forced Tracy to strongman the position of testing to win as a way to prove why testing to learn is better than testing to win. Tracy and I are seasoned digital marketing experts, having done experimentation for a combined 16 years. If you liked the episode, please drop us a submarino and follow us on our LinkedIn page for more updates. As always, sit back, tune in, and enjoy the conversation. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of From A to B. Yes, Jive here, and I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Tracy. I'm throwing you for a loop there. You're no longer lovely, you're just awesome. Fuck yeah, I am, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Before we jump into the episode, I wanted to tell you something. Ask me, how do I know you're an optimizer? How do I know you're an optimizer? You know I'm an optimizer because us doing our podcasting, we literally treat it as an experimentation program. Yes, that is so true. That is so true. It's wild. It's actually like borderline annoying and kind of obsessive. Oh, I hate it. So let's quickly talk about a couple of things that we've been riffing about. The lack of data that we have. So Spotify data is like slow. Sometimes it's not accurate. There's some weird drop-offs that don't make sense. We can't corroborate the data. Yeah. You spent like 20 hours sprinting on program management in Airtable. Yeah. You did a great job, but still like, it's just like funny seeing how there's that similarity between building the program and building the podcast. We have so many process breakdowns that it's like, oh, this actually goes into our topic for the day. But it's like, we have so many process breakdowns that it's okay. I know what I need to fix at any given time. And then once we fix that process breakdown, it's like smooth as butter. It's so good. We have KPIs for testing success for our process. We are all but having a prioritization framework for our topic ideas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We try a whole bunch of different shit on LinkedIn posts. So it's like, what happens if we put the link in the comments? Will our reach go up? What happens if we do video? It's like we're trying all these different things and hoping for an answer, but we never actually get the answer. Because LinkedIn algorithm can suck it and we have no data to corroborate that. I'm so over it. All right. So... For this episode, we're trying something a little bit new. We're calling this Devil's Advocate. So what this means is one of us will take the oppositional stance towards a topic. In this case, Tracy's our devil today. My loved ones would agree with you. (laughs) Well, today or all days? Every day. Every damn day. (laughs) So in this case, Tracy is going to take the Devil's Advocate position for test to win Mm -hmm. versus I will take the angel position because y'all know i'm the angel in this i will take i'll take the angel position of test to learn is the best way to be clear before we jump into this tracy you and i both know we both agree with the stance of test to learn is the appropriate stance this is a persona that tracy is putting on to play the devil in the devil's advocate so we both agree with it we're just setting the stage now let's have a little bit of fun with this sure fun (laughs) that's what we're gonna call it all right, Shiva, I hired you on to run a testing program for me. What's your role? Oh, my role. I am the, ooh, I like this. I am the VP of growth. 
let's just say. So that's kind of like what I commonly run into with people who are looking to start a CRO program or an experimentation program. Okay, so Tracy, VP of Growth, VP of has hired Shiva at a salary of $2 million an hour. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. I hired you at $2 million an hour? Yeah, you wanted a good program. Yeah, this program's going to bomb that. <laughs> We're already bleeding cash and I'm paying you $2 million. Okay. The VP of Growth. <laughs> How much do I make? Like, I better be making like $4 million. You know what? This is the gender pay gap right here, right here. <laughs> Okay, for all intents and purposes, yes, Shiva, I hired you on to run this high-performing, winning CRO program because my CEO is panicking about our dwindling sales, our dwindling revenue year over year, and he really wants some help with this. I have all these buddies in my network and all of these posts in my feed saying, CRO is going to make you millions of dollars. We have all these best practices. Just put them as tests, win Show your CEO, congratulations, I got a promotion to 90% of what a guy makes on the dollar. Let's just say, this is our situation. So Shiva, I want to win on this program. You tell me, okay, but we should focus on learnings instead. You should focus on learnings instead. Okay, sure, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Shiva. <laughs> so I look at that and I'm like, whoa, wait, that's not going to make my CEO happy. That's not going to lift my numbers. What the hell are you talking about? I hired you to make me money. Yeah, and I'm going to make you money. Are you? Okay. I understand where you're coming from, VP of growth. You're tragically underpaid. I get it. You're in a tough spot. You're hiring me to help you, to help make you look good. And I'm going to do that. My end goal is to get you multiple wins. However, when we say test to win versus test to learn, there's a process difference. When we talk about process, a fixation on win might not yield the results that you're looking for. It might yield wins, and it probably will yield wins. That's entirely fair. But the process of test to learn is actually so much better because it focuses on insight generation. It focuses on perpetual iterations. It focuses on a process of testing and experimentation. And we've all seen a ton of success with in the network that will allow for you to have sustained continuous growth. So instead of looking for what's your next win, identify the research that gets you to a point of perpetual winning. Would you rather have one win or would you rather have many wins? I would rather have many wins, obviously. However, this sounds like it's going to take a long time. I don't have a lot of time. My CEO wants results yesterday. This sounds like it's going to take me a really long time to be able to show something for this. That's a very good call out around the fact that speed is something that might be a huge consideration to you. You hired me for quick wins. That's unfortunately not how experimentation works. I'm sorry to say it. If you follow these lists of best practices, they might guarantee you wins. If you actually measure it, you probably won't see it. And if you do, it's a chance. It's a risk. Experimentation is still in the realm of risk and risk mitigation and also learning, insight generation, and all these other things. So I'm talking a lot of big fluff words. At the end of the day, if you hired me to just give you wins, I can't do that for you because... In the nature of experimentation, it's ultimately something that I don't know whether it will win or lose. It's inherent in the name, right? It's a test. If I knew it was going to win, I would just tell you to do this thing, and then you can have the guaranteed results. But that's where a lot of things that you might read on LinkedIn, people say guaranteed landing page best practices. That's unfortunate that you read these things and have high trust and confidence in these things that will just work for you. The reality is, is they don't always work for everyone. I will say you're looking for quick wins, I love your approach and initiative, 
what I will do is give you a program that will generate the insights to get you towards long-term sustained growth. If you're looking for short-term quick hacks, they just don't really exist. I'm sorry to say. So my buddy says that he tried this quick hack, changing the button color or taking photos that in the hero image of my homepage that the model's looking at the call to action button and it made them tens of thousands of dollars in a single week. How come they can do it, but I can't? First of all, I've actually tested that and that's had some mixed results. That's a very interesting psychology test, but I digress. Do you have the results? Did they actually test that out? No, I don't. So you don't have the test results. You're going on this person's word. Even if the person's word is trustworthy, there might be a lack of context. They might have done that thing at 100% and then see revenue increase at that time, to which is not a test. It could be confounded to hell. Or they ran the test, but, you know, you said they ran, what, $10,000 after a couple days? That's what happens with tests. They might win for a couple days and then they might lose for the rest of the days. So there are some basic statistical principles that are being followed. Test to win is perversely incentivized. Subtle plug to last episode. If you take a look at perverse incentives and experimentation, if you're focusing on these wins, you might ultimately find people looking for wins where they may not exist. That's a very interesting call out. I'd love to get that in the prior framework and test it out. There might be something to it, but there also might not. And that's why we want to follow that process of learn what works and learn what doesn't work. But Shiva, speaking of perverse incentives, isn't there a perverse incentive for you to just keep running tests to learn, learn, learn and keep me hooked on the learnings and never actually produce any sort of result for me and just kind of keep me on the hook waiting, waiting, waiting? Yes, you're right. I can do that. How can I trust you, though? Because you're paying me a lot of money, so you should trust me if you're going to pay me that much money. No, that's a very good call out, right? Basically, anything can be perversely incentivized. Test to win can be perversely incentivized. Test to learn can be perversely incentivized. To ignore the fact that Someone might run a test to learn program and they just run 20 tests that all you learned was it lost. That's not a test to learn program. That's just a bad experimentation program. And you're almost kind of testing to win. I'd actually argue that's a test to win program because test to learn is something that you learn something about the behavior. You take that insight to feed into the next test. It's a perpetual iterative approach. Testing to win generally does not have this iterative approach to experimentation. Tests to learn focuses on learning with every test, something about behavior, what's happening on the page to instruct on the next test. You look at five tests down the road, you plan one test and say, if this happens based on the hypothesis, we're going to test this, this, and this. Test to win, generally speaking, does not include that level of behavioral analysis from my perspective. <laughs> and if you run a test to win program that includes all those things, I'd argue you're probably running a test to learn program and maybe we're just having a fun semantics game. I think at the end of the day, the philosophy and approach around experimentation should be learning to get you wins rather than winning and learning is never a part of the problem. That to me is a critical difference between the two. Okay, so then let's just say for all intents and purposes, sure, I'm sold. Let's learn some shit. My CEO is still on my ass being like, Tracy, we just spent 80 grand on this CRO program. Sorry, two, $2 million. An hour. $2 million an hour. Very, very realistic in this economy. I know my worth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> of course, Shiva. Okay, sure. We'll let you be delusional. That's fine. 
I take this to my CEO and I say, look how much we learned about our visitors. Okay, we can't prove any tangible effect on our revenue. My CEO goes, okay, we'll fire these assholes because we hired them to make us money. So what do I tell them then, Shiva? We've got all these learnings. What do we do with them? So that's a good call, right? At the end of the day, your program should have some wins to showcase your program is moving in the right direction. But the flip side around experimentation is risk mitigation, that you're not moving in the wrong direction. It could be a tougher sell to tell them you didn't lose money. And they're like, no, 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 but we paid you to make us money. So like, is this worth it? I think that's a perfectly reasonable take to be like, you should be generating wins. One, cancer drugs. You don't just find the winning cancer drug and then do it. It's a perpetual process that we're still struggling with. Maybe some perverse incentives there, but I digress. This episode is not about that, Shiva. <laughs> Big Pharma is about to cancel the fuck out of me. <laughs> Something tells me Big Pharma is not listening to this episode. If they are and they cancel me, I should be really happy about that. That's just, that's, that's a badge of honor anyway. I think at the end of the day, it's a valid point around you have to have something to show for it. And it's a very reasonable take if someone says, you aren't winning us. All you're doing is not losing. We need some wins. To which I'd say, call out how much money was saved. Literally quantify that. I think that's an important thing to say. You are going to do this, which would have cost this amount of dollars, and then count that towards the net of the program. So as much as you could revenue attribute, I think you should do your best to do so in the negatives and the positives, the mitigation and the wins. It can be tough, and there has to be a certain amount of patience. Even if you're paying me stupid amounts of money, if you expect me to just give you test wins off rip, there's a mismanagement of expectations here. I'm not going to lie. There was one program I went where I didn't have a test win for a year. Wait, and they still stuck with you? I was working on like three different programs while I was at one company, and one program didn't have a test win for a whole year. But there were mitigated losses. There were broken down hippo ideas that hippo wanted to run, and I say, let's not run that. They wanted to do it anyway. We ran it for two days. It stunk. It was like minus 70% and we mitigated the loss. And there was a little bit of trust building. But I ran tests and I learned along the way. Dude, it was so strange. I like the one year and two day mark. I hit seven winners in a row that far and away outcompensated. Also unrelated. I didn't really have a bunch of dedicated dev resourcing in that year. So I had to like prioritize tests accordingly. Yeah. So it wasn't the best run program. I probably should have started with that because people are going to be like, why the fuck would I hire you if you don't win for a year? But I digress. There's some additional context there. At the end of the day, it took me a whole last year to feed the machine with insights to then boom, 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 boom. That did the revenue attributions. It was like $3 million in win after win after win for total. That paid me for an hour, right? That paid my salary for an hour and you still get to have a million dollars. So, okay. Double horns are still on here, but I'm actually more curious now, which is what happened when you hit that streak? Why did you hit that streak? What was the common denominator there to all that success that you were having in that small period of time? I want to know because I want to re replicate that in our engagement. Have you seen those? Um, what was it? Oh, it's uh, Squid Games. Have you seen Squid Games? The Like the show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember the one where like it was one dude who would walk and then you have to like, yes. you have to pick a decision and then if they fall, they're dead. It sucks. But then if you're that last person, you just know exactly where to go. That's exactly how that program worked. I figured out all of these areas to say, don't go here, don't go here, don't go here, don't go here, don't go here. There was a clear path towards optimization once all of that hit. Mm -hmm. 
that's where I hit win, 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 win. And like DJ Khaled, another <laughs> one, just kept it going. That was a very fun time to just hit win after win. And there was patience. This is a hard process. If you're hiring CRO for quick wins and only quick wins, and you're like expecting 4%, 10%, 50% lifts to CRO after a week, a month, maybe go get that test to win guy because y'all are be a match made in heaven. They're going to deliver you the wins that make you feel good and they're going to make money, but both y'all are going to end up not benefiting from the relationship. If you're looking for a long-term sustained growth, hire me at $2 million an hour. I'm just saying. I'm convinced. I just ascended from the seven depths of hell. I, I, wow. Like, oh my God. Thank you so much, Shiva. Thank you. I feel so blessed. So Tracy, let's take <laughs> off those horns. <laughs> they, okay, Shiva, those horns were like dangling off my head because the whole time I'm like nodding. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> First of all, this was a segment that we weren't sure how it was going to go. Audience, this is a peek into this. This is something we wanted to try, but we didn't know how it was going to go. This isn't Twitch, so we can't get like, <laughs> let's get some comments in the chat. But like, can we get some feedback on this episode? Tracy fucking killed this. Oh, thank you. Yeah, being a shit disturber comes very naturally to me. So <laughs> I'm like, mm, yeah, nailed it. Also, I have dealt with so many of these people who are just like, show me some money, please, please. You're lucky. You had a client who let that stand for a year. I had recently a client who I, I have flat result after flat result. The program lasted like three months and they were like, yeah, fuck you. I'm out. And I'm like, OK, this is really sad. I'm really heartbroken. You know, it's funny. I know we talked about agency versus in-house a couple episodes ago. That's a, maybe another pro to in-house is true. It's harder to fire you if you don't win after a couple times versus agency. It's very easy to be like, I just don't want to pay you anymore. It's true. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Tracy, you had the devil horns on for a bit and you didn't have a chance to actually speak your mind on test to learn. Mm -hmm. What are your general sentiments from this conversation around test to learn? I think you nailed it on you're more likely to win when you test to learn. It may take you longer. It's going to be a more honest program in the long run because you have nothing to hide, really. You're already embracing failure up front. And in fact, you're not just embracing failure. You're saying failure is a must in this program. So you don't feel embarrassed. You don't feel ashamed when you say this was flat or this bombed. But hey, this is our next step. I think we might be onto something here. There is no shame in doing that. So I love that. I love the spirit of that in testing to learn. And I think you hit that. You see this play out in so many different ways in life where you do want to win financially, for an example. Like, I'm not going to get too much into like investing and all that crap, but you have seen like study after study for decades and decades on how people who play the long game in investing and take fewer short term risks, they actually outperform the people who just hedge their bets on flash in the pan, trendy stocks. Crypto bros everywhere are triggered. I'm so sorry, but it is true. It is true. I'm sorry. I may or may not have lost money in crypto too, so. Okay, I lost $50 on weed stocks. Uh, I will forever <laughs> mourn that $50 that I lost, but <laughs> I've made up for it in the long run. The, <laughs> the weed industry is not uh, missing my my money. <laughs> but no, like it's, it's, it's true though. If you compare in the long run, it does pay off to take your time just be okay when things fail sometimes and sometimes double down when you fail. When the economy is down, sometimes that's when it's time to say, I'm going to buy because this is going to be worth 10 times more in the future when I'm ready to retire. 
Yeah, you brought up a good point on that. It's tough to get buy-in when the results aren't there. I was winning in so many other spots. It was actually fine. They're like, all right, well, this is just a tricky thing. We still have to figure it out. Can you actually elaborate on that? We weren't hitting test wins, and it was because our approach was boil the ocean, when instead we weren't segmenting properly. We were trying to optimize the whole template rather than focus on unique audiences that have differences in behavior. Once we ran those 12 months of tests, we started to identify a clear trend towards specific segments need these specific things, other segments need these things. As soon as we split it, we saw stupid lifts on both. And then we split those and saw even more lifts. I'm going to take a guess that it took you having to really probe and learn from these lukewarm results to actually get to that point. Yes. It took multiple test iterations to realize there was a trend to then segment that data and then start parsing through it. That's part of the learning, right? You don't know until you know. And if I was simply trying to win all the time, I may not have gone deeper into segmenting. I would have continued to push that rock up that hill and boil the ocean rather than take a step back and say, there's something in the approach here. We need to learn. What are the ways we could learn about these audiences? And we got some emergent research like month seven in. I stumbled upon some interesting data that pushed the program in the right direction. Maybe let's wrap up on this last bit here. I think we all generally agree that test to learn is the best approach. The benefits are it gives us a methodology around iteration, learning. The process of test to learn yields to wins. If you are optimizing for the wins in the short term, you might hit those wins, but it's not a sustainable long-term approach. It's so true. You can't sustain just one-off wins for the rest of time. You can hit some of those one-off wins. There can be some of those easy wins, quote-unquote, that you get off, but it's not always guaranteed. All right, Shiva, now I want to run something by you that I saw on LinkedIn. So naturally, LinkedIn Post of the Week. Let's go. Right. This week's LinkedIn post of the week comes from Carlos Trujillo from Spiro. He's a homie. If you guys aren't following him, he's doing some good stuff. Definitely follow him. I would say Carlos had my favorite Experiment Nation conference session last year. He just like is so concise and just always knows the good shit to say. Wait so- a minute. I gave us talk last year, too. Oh, that's awkward. Um, well, that uh, does it for our last episode of Tromato. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's okay. I liked yours too, I'm Shiva. so petty. Every time you say something <laughs> bad, I just try and end the whole show. <laughs> what about me? All right, no, let's get back to our homie, Carlos. You're good, post. Shiva. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So Carlos wrote a great post about process and knowledge databases. So just to kind of summarize Carlos's post, a knowledge database is the core of every good experimentation slash CRO program. There's a vast difference between occasionally launching A-B tests and having a program that consistently influences business growth. Before I get into the specifics of tools, Shiva, in your early experimentation career, was there ever a time when you didn't have some sort of database? I don't think I ever didn't have a database, but the database was very rudimentary. Like it was a Google Sheet. Yeah. No consistency or an Excel spreadsheet that only lived on my computer. Very rudimentary stuff. I've been there. It sucks for scaling an experimentation program and getting people interested in it. And it sucks from just a management perspective. 
I'm with you. I had the exact same thing. And I find it such a pain in the ass, especially when you're road mapping and like you have to merge cells. You spend more time playing around with the actual sheet itself and displaying the content within them instead of actually using the database to make decisions. So yeah, I think that's probably a very common thing around like newbies. You did a whole 180, right? So we're talking about that a while ago. And now you built out the whole program management for our podcast. Yes. And it is, we can't show you guys what it looks like, but it is the best program management of like a testing tool I've seen. It's cool. As you built all these automations and shit, like it's cool. So it's funny how you took the total 180 of merging cells in Excel to like building this dope ass automated platform for our podcasting. Yeah. And this is actually leading me to the next thing that Carlos pointed out, which is he points out that you can use simple free tools like Notion and Airtable. And we use Airtable. This is the first time I've actually really used Airtable in depth. Not sponsored yet. Not sponsored by Airtable, but oh my God, we would love to be sponsored by you. Yes. Wishful thinking. You need a tool that's going to make it easy to connect the dots. So we have records on our brainstorming view that become links to our final working rows where we're pointing out the show notes, the creative for the episode, like everything is intertwined. And Airtable, I love for that reason for experimentation programs, because you can take initial research and connect it to the test results, which make it easy to learn. Would you say process is more important than tools? I would say that. I would say that. But you will reach a point in your program where you need a tool that's going to help you scale long term. Totally. Yes. So that's the point that I was kind of what I got from Carlos's post is that tools are great. Process is way more important. Yes. We could accomplish everything that we're doing in Airtable for our podcast or most experimentation programs in the Google Sheet. It's fine. But the process of how you are integrating everything together matters so much more than spending $400 on a program management tool. The process is the most important thing. Now, like you said, you might outgrow it. In the same way in a testing tool, you might outgrow Google Optimize. Will outgrow Optimize you have to. whether you like it or not. <laughs> You will probably outgrow and you have to figure out where do you have the gaps? Every person's different. Every process will be different. You should focus on the process that works for you and then find the tool that supports that. I am kind of reflecting on those moments in which I was like, this Google Sheet is not doing what I need it to do anymore, which is keep us growing and help us reach that next level of maturity. I've even been okay with managing testing programs and having that database inside your project management tool. Like it's not as great as having that formal database, but it's still a step up from your Google Sheet. So like whatever tool you need. Isn't that Airtable though? Airtable feels like a merge between Google Sheets and a project management tool. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do you, I guess, let me ask you this. How do you manage your programs with your clients? Do you do program management and databasing in Airtable? Because that's the way I've always done it. I currently work with agencies only. So I go with whatever tool they're using. And it's usually a project management tool like um, an Asana, a ClickUp, a Trello. For me, if I were starting from scratch, I would probably just go straight to Airtable knowing that there's uh, a lot of different ways that I can connect the dots yeah. with my learnings. I think that's a good point. I love Airtable for connecting the dots <laughs> and databasing. Again, it's all about process. If you have a good process to seamlessly move between program management 
and databasing tool, fantastic. But if you haven't thought about the integration and you're kind of just helter-skelter putting it all together, a tool may help, but it's not going to entirely solve the problem if you don't spend the time and think about the process. All right, well, that does it for another episode of From A to B. If you enjoy this episode, we would greatly appreciate if you dropped a little subby sub. Ooh, I liked that. All right, well, thanks, y'all, for tuning in. Appreciate y'all. See ya.